Jesus. Wow. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? As Tara mentioned earlier, we've just come back from India and it was an incredible time of just seeing Jesus at work. There were times of great power and great authority and great deliverance. There were also times of great intimacy and gentleness and freedom. And you see the grace and the truth. The truth of Jesus comes in great power and authority to break strongholds, but also he is gentle. In Isaiah, it says a bruised reed, he will not break. And this is our Jesus. He has a kingdom, he has a way with us, and he invites us into deeper levels of intimacy with himself. We go from glory to glory, becoming more like him. He is the reason that we celebrate. And I don't know where you're at today with your first love, but in recent times I have been revived. In recent times I've come to discover the richness and the depth of Jesus. Um, You know, you kind of, it's not information, it's not something that we kind of uh, hear about once and think, okay, I've ticked that box. Jesus, there's a depth through his Holy Spirit that will take you to places that you couldn't imagine. And all it requires is our trust, our childlike faith. You know, we live in a world today, as Pastor Phil mentioned earlier, where there's a lot of need. There's a lot of emotional darkness, spiritual darkness, a lack of hope. These things are real for people. These are realities in a fallen world. And you and I, uh, Jesus refers to us as the light of the world. Not only himself, but by extension, us through him. We are the light of the world. Wherever we go, we bring perspective, we bring hope, we bring joy, even in hardship. And so we live in a world today that does need God. Flying back into Australia, I'm just aware of our pride. Pride in our achievements, pride in our knowledge, self-importance. I've spoken to people that have actually said, why do I need God? Why do I need God? I've got everything that I could want. And yet it escapes them that the very air that they breathe, if God was to take that away, (laughs) they'd be left gasping. Can, Can you see the arrogance in that? And it's so easy to get caught up in this idea of progress. We've progressed Jesus or the gospel or these things are kind of behind us in some way. But the truth of it is, Jesus is the life of all people. He he created all things. Through him, it says, all things were made and he sustains all things. And as we come to him this Christmas... There's a reason that we celebrate. It's easy to get caught up in tradition. It's easy to get caught up in what we've always done. But I would invite you in this season to think afresh, to reflect, have a new perspective, to ask the Holy Spirit to take you deeper in your relationship, in your intimacy with the person of Jesus Christ. He was prophesied to come and save us from our sins some 800 years before Jesus actually came. And in fact, in the Bible, it says at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. 
for all of us. Do you know, um, since the, uh, before Christ, before Jesus actually came, only 2% of the world's population had lived till that point. Only 2%. The rest has come since that time and they've heard this message. So God ordained Jesus to come at a time when the gospel would go out through the nations, that we would hear it, that we would respond and that we would live in and through him. And so these seeds that have been sprouting throughout history have pollinated, they've spread, they've gone through families and communities and even some places like Europe need re-evangelising. You know, it's been so long, but there is a, a truth and a light that is in Jesus that brings perspective. You know, when we were over in India again, there was, um, there's no real concept of mercy or, um, what's the word, mercy or kindness towards the poor. So it literally is your karma. So we'd be coming across these beautiful people that society had just abandoned. And in some ways, we do the same thing. We do it not only locally, but we do it to other nations. We can lack mercy. We can lack kindness. And, um, but actually, our faith is birthed uh, not only out of truth, but out of a grace, out of a love, out of a kindness. And uh, God sent Jesus at the right time so that you and I could receive his kindness and his grace. And my prayer for us today is that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that receive the good news about Jesus, that the idols that we have uh, in our society and in our lives, that God would help us in his mercy to strip them away so we can see the true nature of our vulnerability. Because we have so many things that can prop us up. And this is not a message necessarily you and I today, but a message that I speak in faith in the atmosphere of our country, of a nation that believes it has progressed beyond the need for God um, and at their own detriment. But God loves us all and he waits. He reserves one day for judgment but what seems like an eternity, a big open door for us to all come in to receive eternal life. So I want to read to us today from Isaiah uh, 9. And um, and this uh, first bit um, kind of sets up some 800 years before Jesus comes. Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah. And 800 years later, Jesus comes and uh, fulfills this prophecy. There are a couple of hundred different prophecies that refer to the coming of the Messiah and Jesus fulfilled every one of them. Wow. I've literally gone through the table and correlated the Old Testament to the New. Jesus concealed and then in the New Testament, Jesus revealed. You see the correlation between the fulfillment, the promise and the fulfillment. Here we have one of those, just one of them. And I'm going to share with us today. And it talks about Isaiah... Um, is all about uh, the, ju the judgment on God's people for not responding, but then there's future hope prophesied as well. And uh, it's saying here about the Messiah, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Now, you're not going to have this up there. This is um, 
what I'm going to mainly speak on, but I just want to preface it with this. Nevertheless, that a time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And so here we see the very ministry area. In fact, some of the Pharisees get it completely wrong. You read in the Gospels, they say, you know, no prophets ever come from kind of Bethlehem or Galilee. Or, and yet here we see it in the scriptures. It was right before them. And so they're saying a great light will shine. You know, Jesus says in John 8, 12, he says to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And it's this light, it's this knowledge of God, it's our relationship with him, it's, it's knowing that wherever I go, I have the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit with me. I'm not, I'm not orphaned, I'm not alone, even though I may go through times of trouble, even though I may go through times where there's valleys in my life, you might be in a valley at the moment, the light of Jesus can help you. You might be in a place where you're walking in the light. You've received that, and I'd encourage you to maintain that. That is good. That's called the blessing of God. But Jesus wants us to walk in his light, not in darkness. That's not his will. It's not his will that people would remain in a place of hopelessness, fear, rejection, or pride. These are the things that keep us in darkness. And my prayer for our nation and for our, our neighbours and the people that we live amongst is that we would be that same light, that we would bring perspective and hope, hope and challenge and and a message that leads people to an understanding that this life is limited. I've got maybe possibly 50 years left, you know, to of, that'll just go like that. Now, Jesus offers eternal life, not just light for now, but light for eternity. It says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder for you will break the yoke of their slavery. Listen to this. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. The oppressor's rod. How many people need that? Just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire. The oppressor's rod here is sin and the power of the demonic, the unseen realm. You know, idolatry keeps us locked up. Idolatry keeps nations locked up in a place where they can't see God. They're too full of the things that occupy them. They take the things that are created and they put it in the place of the creator. But God loves us. God loves us and he appeals to us to come to him. And this is the ministry of Jesus. He comes as a great light 
to reveal our heavenly father and to bring us into a loving relationship with him. And he is the one, he's the warrior in these first few verses here that breaks the oppressor's rod. It's through him, through his light, through his name, through his blood, his teaching, his miracles, that we can see a transformation. My prayer, literally right now at the moment, is I'm praying for our nation, that we would have eyes to truly see our need for God. Let's not get comfortable. Things can change very quickly. And God wants his people to be ready. To be ready because we can trust in our governments, we can trust in economies, we can trust in these things, but God has sent a great gift in the person of Jesus. And this was proved when he raised him from the dead. This is the proof. Jesus wasn't just any ordinary man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just someone who performed miracles, a miracle worker, a healer. No, he was raised from the dead. And it says that over 500 people saw him, as well as the apostles and disciples and others. This is good news. But let's have a look at verse 6. Isaiah specifically mentions here. Uh, Jesus, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. As I said, Jesus is a gift. He's the gift that in us literally keeps on giving. <laughs> You've heard that phrase. He's the gift that keeps on giving. His well never runs dry. You cannot exhaust the love, the presence, the forgiveness. You might think I've just... I've got it too wrong too many times. No, you haven't. It says his mercies are new every day. Great is his faithfulness. But we must choose him. A gift is given, but we must choose him. We must choose him. In Romans 10.10, it says, if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. Matthew 10.32 says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. So this gift has been given to us if we should choose to receive him. It says the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Aren't they some incredible names? This is the ministry of Jesus to us. His ministry to us is that he's a wonderful counsellor. Now, we have that through the Holy Spirit. He's mighty to save. He is not limited in strength. He's an everlasting father. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon you. And he is the prince of peace. Jesus says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave you, and I don't give as the world gives. We need peace in this season. We need our hearts to be anchored in Christ. And I want to encourage you today to take a hold of this gospel message, to take a hold of the gift of Jesus. He can reveal himself afresh. I love what Esther said this morning about reintroducing the Father, reintroduces himself to us. That is a timely word for us all this morning. It says his government and its peace will never end. He is an eternal spring. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 
that Jesus is an eternal, life-giving spirit. He rules from heaven. It goes on to say here as we close out this passage, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Incredible. Jesus has a kingdom. A kingdom is a place where a king reigns and rules. But it's not of the nature of what we would expect here on earth. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's not a a government that you can see or detect or vote for. It doesn't work like that. His kingdom, Jesus says in uh, John 18, 36, he says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. So he's right out with it. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. So where is it? If it's here now in our midst, if it's here, how do we detect it? Well, it's not with our natural senses. The Bible says there's this thing called faith. You've got to have faith in God. See, the first people who were created, epitomised by Adam and Eve, they were people of faith. They knew how to connect with God. They knew how to trust God. They knew how to walk with God. And we have that again through Christ, this ability to walk with God. He says to Abraham, walk before me blamelessly. That's his desire for us to walk with him. Jesus says in Luke 17, 20, he says, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Jesus, um, another way of translating this is the kingdom of God is within you or in your midst. It's here. It's when we gather. It's in Mark and Colin and Linda and Don and Rebecca and myself, all of us, we, we carry this presence of the Holy Spirit, a piece of heaven. And it's a foretaste, it says, of the powers and of the age to come. It'll be revealed, but generation by generation we witness. You know, it says in Acts of David that when he had finished ministering to his generation, you and I are the light of the world. Through Christ, we minister to our generation. We bring hope. Diane, you're such an incredible minister. You have a ministry. And I can't, I'm not going to disclose that, but you know what it is. And you have helped so many. An incredible ministry. You are a light. Mark, when you serve and help set up, you're a light. Uzma, when you are doing your physiotherapy and witnessing, you lead so many to faith. You're an evangelist. You're a light. Tracy, when you're at work, serving and helping others in that home instead community you're a light Mel you got a new job recently congratulations I believe so am I right yeah good good haven't started but she got it you're a light and God cares about your personal revival he's reviving you by giving you the thing that you're created to do and he's renewing it. You're going to have at least another 30 years of 
fullness of heart. You're a light. Yeah. So it's in our midst, it's within us, the kingdom of God. Don't underestimate what God wants to do through you. Emily, your artwork, inspiring, bringing light. It finishes on this. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The passionate commitment. God is passionate about loving you. God is passionate about saving us. We know what it says in John 3, 16, God so loved the world. He loves us. He's passionate. He sent Jesus. He appointed this messenger, Isaiah, some 800 years before to prepare the way. John the Baptist prepared the way. And we live in the fruit of the cross now. We are the church, full of the Holy Spirit, full of light. Let's not forget who we are. Let his light shine within you and upon you today. As we head into this Christmas season, be aware of the hope that you carry. Can we stand together? Is that okay?